Welcome to Bitch Talk, booze and interviews straight from the heart of quarantine. This is Erin. That's Ange. Hi. That's Char. Hello. You can find us at bitchtalkpodcast.com. You can also find us every Monday morning at bff.fm from 6 to 6.30. Boing, We have uh, a special guest on the show today. Her name's Thea Matthews. She's born and raised in San Francisco and also a poet and has a new book coming out in June. Um, it's taken me a minute to get her on the show because I met her publicist, excuse me, right before we went to Sundance. We went to Sundance and then we came back and then we're in a pandemic. So I wanna thank <laughs> Red Light Lit, um, that's her PR agency sticking with us. And th- thanks to Thea um, for scheduling our Zoom interview with her to talk about just her origin story and poetry and her new book and also being a San Franciscan. So um, take a listen to our interview and we'll see you on the other side. Thea Matthews, thank you for being on Bitch Talk during quarantine, no less. Mm -hmm. I'm loving the lips and the earrings. It's, it's, you know, I am. It's It's a mood, it's a mood. You are bringing us up uh, in the time of quarantine. So thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes. Yeah. So I, you know, was doing a little digging as you do um, when you have guests on a show and um, you're born and raised San Franciscan. I am. Hallelujah. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Uh, Now it's bittersweet. I've almost like, before I was like, I'm a unicorn. And then now I'm like, oh, I'm a unicorn. No, no, like we are still here. And yeah, uh, it's bittersweet, but um, yeah, born and raised here, you know, Um, from, like I have immigrant grandparents. Um, My mom is Chicana, first generation, born and raised Mexican American. Um, My biological father, like, Total, like migrated from the south, like along like the great, um, what is it, great migration, like from the south to like, uh, like east coast, Midwest, and then folks made it west, and so yeah, he came out here. Um, but yeah. And can you tell me like what neighborhood? I mean, let's get into it. What neighborhood? Oh. Grow mm-hmm. up in? Look. Yeah. This is <laughs> <my> <laughs> <life>. <laughs> okay. Excelsior Ingleside. Excelsior, I'm repping Excelsior Ingleside, but you know what, I've been living in the sunset for um, the past year, and I gotta say, I am so grateful. Oh, good. I mean, that's a, it's a change, but also the San Francisco's changed a lot, as we all know, so, um, but growing up in the Excelsior Ingleside, please talk about that. That is, that's like deep root San Francisco to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Time stops, like there's like that, that chicken spot. That where you're like, what year is this? Like 1974? <laughs> um, <laughs> but and you see like the smoke coming up because of all the chickens being anyway. Um, <laughs> a lot of taquerias, a lot of nail salons, um, a lot of just working class POC families, immigrant families, Latinx, um, folks of Asian descent, all out there, and I. Uh, grew up like on Mission in Persia. That's actually like the like like main corner of my definitive years, um, so to speak. And so, 
Growing up, uh, I was raised Roman Catholic, so I went to Epiphany, which was on Geneva in Naples. Hated it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you have some other Catholics here also. That, so. That's a whole other episode. <laughs> we can go deep into that alone, yeah. We could. Oh my gosh, we could. And um, yeah. Yeah, so, but went to Epiphany and then, um, yeah, later went to ICA, which is further like in the mission, you mm. know. Um, and yeah, growing up in the Excelsior, you know, it was loud music, um, just a lot of families, a lot of just, you know, burritos where chips were complimentary and they weren't overcharged and uh. chips weren't like 75 cents extra. Uh, a lot of um, friendly faces and it was a lot more community. I'm trying to just like recall of like, there was a lot more acknowledgement of each other and mm -hmm. a lot more, um, I mean, in a sense, it was communal struggle, too. Folks were like, you know, families were just packed into these, like, apartments. But we were still holding on. And it was still pretty dope. Um, yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, no, I think that stems from having immigrant parents and growing up in a community with people of color. They're, com we're, they're coming from countries where they're used to the village raising the kids. Mm -hmm. And everybody kind of lifting each other up and, and going through the struggle together. So I yeah. think that mentality is beautiful, but it's definitely... Uh, non-existent in a lot of places anymore i know but you know what that donut shop though on mission excelsior is still there like that yeah but still but seriously i mean like i'm the culture has changed and there is like that carryover of community but then it's like you know you see like a little cropping up of like of like a coffee shop and it's just i don't know it's just bittersweet and um but yeah, a lot of the writings, um, I mean, I didn't start, I, I started writing poetry in the Excelsior. Mm. Yeah. How old yeah. were you? I started yeah. writing poetry when I was a young adolescent, I would say like around 11, 12. Okay. Was it a teacher that inspired you or your parents or how did you even get into that? That is a great question. Honestly, I want to say it was grace. Ultimately, I think I've always been fascinated by wordplay and nursery rhymes and just rhyming period. Not that I'm a big rhyme, like poet myself, but like, I was always, um, I love like mother goose and Shel Silverstein and, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. any like type of like arts and crafts projects where like, it was like, make your own book, you know, and like get like a little construction paper and create these like, um, these individual artifacts. Uh, I was very much drawn to that. And so, but the time that I started writing poetry, I was going through a very dark time in my life. I mean, shit, Has, things have changed, but there was a time darker in adolescence where I just wrote poem one, poem two, and poem three. And these poems were what I've been carrying and holding with me for years. And just my question, my just existential crisis and questioning of life and is death better basically mm. than what I was experiencing. And so that's what I think like, you know, I heard recently that grace is defined as unmerited divine assistance. And that mm. honestly, I think was what propelled me to start writing and engaging in the craft of poetry. You know, I wish I could say, you know, I was raised by intellectuals, high intellectuals, and, you know, a vast library of poets, and, you know, a teacher 
that like sparked it in me, but really it was more so circumstances and grace that prompted me to put pen to paper and I don't know, explore enjambment. I don't need to like speak literary devices and shit, but like (laughs) (laughs) to play with lines and to see that like, oh, I have control and there's intentionality and how I structure words on the page and how everything matters for um, expression, but also communication. Ultimately, Mm -hmm. it was a way to communicate. And were those um, poems for yourself or were you sharing them or was it for homework? (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's interesting because my best friend's mother, I think, has these poems somewhere buried um, in her attic or somewhere because uh, somehow, what did I do with them? I'm trying to like, it's so long ago, but yeah, they were shared and it wasn't homework. Um, It was like some evening where I had just asked, you know, just whipped out some binder paper and wrote, you know, used the pen. But I shared, I think, with um, my best friend's mother, who is an artist. I felt safe to share it with her. And then she later, like, called me. She's like, are you okay? (laughs) She went went through it all, and she was like, oh, God. (laughs) Yeah. Like literary analysis just a little bit too far of like wait what did she say <laughs> but yeah it was beautiful like sharing of like here's what I have you know and did you always feel welcomed by I mean because obviously now you've embedded yourself in this community you've performed all throughout the bay but did you always feel that you had that safe space to speak freely? Because a lot of your material is, is heavy. You deal with a lot of really personal stuff that, um, you know, it, it really takes a lot of uh, reflection and, and confidence to be able to share that. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Poetry, you know, ego aside, right? Like criticism, sit over there. Um, poetry is definitely very safe. I think any medium any like that like arts it's a paradox because um like art itself is not therapy i mean there is art therapy right and then like art is like therapeutic uh but as you said like i mean like i've had to do a lot of work to get to where i'm at to write what i write um and to uh apply craft and just kind of objectively stand out from or stand like have enough distance between me and like the experience between me and memory between me and the observation uh because if i'm too raw and if it's too premature then it can be like traumatic right like i've heard people like try to write um on their experiences but if it's too early it just looks painful, you know? And so I've had to, um, you know, it's very much kind of came at an organic time where whenever it's ready, and I can't say that, right? I almost feel like I'm fumbling on my words. There is a time that comes where there's like this readiness and this inner knowing that like, okay, I can put pen to paper, I can type and I can go there and it won't kill me and I'll walk away unscathed. In order to express, you know, I've watched and and read some of your poetry um, and and you're reciting it. And I'm like, okay, do you have to get to a point where, okay, I'm ready to deal with this. I've I've already dealt with it so I can write it. Or does writing it help you deal with it? You know, it's like, does does the chicken come first or the egg? Right. Right. Um, 
And it's interesting because uh, for years, like when I was younger, like my first poems were like about death, teenage angst, what have you. I mean, I don't know, like whatever 14, 15 year old wants to write about, <laughs> you know? And um, I remember like really being bent on having this poetry teacher take the rhyme out of me. I have had strong influences though. I do want to circle back real quick. Um, like over the years, I have definitely seen, like have been inspired, right? I, I, this is, it, um, writing or my engagement with art is an act of solitude. However, in terms of growth, evolution, I need people, I'm human, right? Like I'm a social creature. I need to like read um, and witness and hear uh, poets writers uh for me to like keep going and so um in terms of the content after like a five to seven year hiatus of not writing but also like doing intensive like therapy and other stuff that was going on in my life and like having to get clean like um i arrived in a sense where i've landed where um it was ready like i was able to like write on my reflections or the confessions of like enduring sexual violence and what does it mean to heal and what does it mean to reclaim my body um i was not in a position to write that you know without therapy without drawing a sober breath without um having a community of of survivors and knowing that um it's possible to not just survive, but to, you know, thrive and transcend. Um, so much of this first book, Unearth the Flowers, is a triumph over trauma type of piece. It's, um, it really is an homage to the nonlinear fashion of healing, so to speak, an homage to nature, of memory, of flowers, of soil, of dirt, of body, um, and this book came when only like when I was ready, like mentally, emotionally, physically, like spiritually ready. Um, and it lined up too with my time taking, um, June Jordan's poetry for the people, uh, mm -hmm. program at UC Berkeley. Mm -hmm. And so everything lined up of like, um, taking classes under, uh, I de Leon and her mentorship um, and her just honoring the legacy of June Jordan, um, reading June's work. Um, I mean, I've always been like, not always, but for years, I definitely have been inspired and pulled from confessionalism and Sylvia Plath and Anne Sexton. And he's basically these tortured ass, like white housewife poets. <laughs> <laughs> but the reason why I love them so much, especially Sylvia was that like, they went in like they weren't like, you know, it was pretty, um, I guess at, at the time revolutionary sort of speak to like divulge neurosis basically in poetry to divulge their thinking, to confess and to have themselves be their own subject. And so that's what I've always been drawn to. And so much of like on earth is that I am my own subject. It's this, um, taxonomy way or ta taxonomical way because it's essentially a, like a flower encyclopedia where each flower I'm either personifying it or it has a strong it's part of the setting like there's a relationship between I and the flower 
at times there's identification and then at times it's not, there's not. Um, but either way, it is like all autobiographical. Mm -hmm. So you, um, in essence, weren't really thinking about, I'm going to write a book at all. I was, was not. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, and I think each time I try to think I can do that, it's so funny. <laughs> the universe just laughs at me. Like, <laughs> because, how, did, how did it come together with all your, I mean, I, I know you talked about therapy and, and uh -huh. becoming sober, but the end result sounds like it might have been the book or... Yeah, I think it was a culmination of just like a readiness and time and June Jordan's P for P, poetry for the people. Um, and also too, another act of grace, you know, when all those things align, um, it was one of those moments too where I was just simply being led, where the prompts were given. I was in a class writing some poems and next thing I know, these flowers are starting to crop up. And I first started mm -hmm. with lilacs. And that was a prompt of a self-affirmation poem. And then the next prompt was like, love is resistance. And then hydrangeas emerged. And I'm like, whoa, I think I might be onto something. So first, you know, it's like, it came to me organically, but then, you know, there was more effort that was put into it and much more exploration of like um, the types of flowers, like the origins of flowers of where they are, where they're native to, um, their physical appearance, their symbolism. I even like got involved with like reading up on the language of flowers. Uh, I was like, wow, there's a whole other world out here. And then just somehow like it was able to just like interweave memory and not somehow, I guess it was a lot of practice, revision, redrafting, <laughs> revise, revising and editing, but interweaving these memories and stories of, of my life into like aligning with, the physicality of the flower and the symbolism of the flower mm -hmm. um like even like like what comes to mind is like the poem fuchsia uh and where fuchsia's colors are like fuchsia like they have like these pinks purples magentas and they're very popular among hummingbirds and i incorporated that into the poem um you know or like lotus definitely because you know so much resiliency of these flowers and like this flower blossoming in mud and so it's like they tried to kill me in silence you know and then just ending like on these high notes um a lot of the pieces in unearth the flowers are like i guess crescendos is that kind of i've already mm -hmm. like, they just rise yeah. <laughs> a lot of crescendos um type poems to illustrate the resiliency and to match how nature is resilient and so is the memory and so is the body you know mm -hmm. but it's also holding that paradox of like we are resilient yet we are so fragile you know mm -hmm. but then one fucking breath we're out i mean it, in these times you know, yeah. someone, <laughs> the fragility <laughs> of life right. <laughs> yeah but yeah, awesome. go on. No, I was just gonna say it's you know every morning we're waking up to people, fam I mean famous people and people in our lives dying right now, and that's that's a, I don't know if it's a new reality, but it's just so, I, it's a lot, <laughs> it's a lot to handle. Is there anything in this time that's inspiring you? That's such a oh my gosh! For some reason, I feel that that question. Is there anything during this time that is inspiring me? 
Maybe it's because I'm on the verge of tears. I don't know. Me too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who isn't? On every right? minute. Yeah. Seriously. I mean, yeah. Taking long walks, I mean, with my mask, right? Um, this is why I think my gratitude living in the sunset. I live close, like, walking distance from Golden Gate Park mm. and, um, and the beach. And so I time it. So a knock on wood, because I've been really good with like finding the times and the trails where like I'm not like, you know, in a sea of people like, woo, you know, just out and about doing their deal and having family time <laughs> without a mask on. It's like, I, um, I guess what is inspiring me is like long solitude walks in nature mm. mm -hmm. and um, looking at the trees, looking up at the sky really tapping into like the nature around me. And even if I wasn't in the sunset, right? Cause I know it's such a privilege and I'm hella grateful to have access to this nature, like this park and it's, um, but anywhere, the birds getting quiet to hear sparrows sing, to see a hummingbird, to look up in the sky and see a raven or a crow or even a flying vulture. Um, I mean, I haven't left the sunset in over a month, though, so I can only speak from over here. <laughs> I wouldn't even know what it's like to be anywhere else, which is interesting um, right now. But it's just, yeah, the, the, the wildlife, the urban wildlife that survives. I'm still waiting to have my moment with a coyote. Me That's too. Right? <laughs> I, I know they're out there, and I'm yeah, like... I've seen pictures. <laughs> and I see the signage of, like, coyotes, and I'm like, okay, I'm ready. Yeah, <laughs> but I haven't yet, you know, and um, so yeah, I guess like inspire me. I mean, but there's so much more. I kind of went off on a huge tangent on the wildlife, but it is real, like, um, of the, just the nature and like turning inward and meditation, but also reading a lot, um, reading anthologies, reading new works, old works of poets, um you know, having internet access, which I'm very grateful right. for. I can tap into, you know, mm -hmm. virtual parties, virtual hangouts, connecting with community. Um, and I guess what's been inspiring me is, is like us humans, like we, we still like, how, like create, like how creative we are to still hold on to connection, even in the era of isolation, mm. you know, like even in mm. like social distancing, like, we are still connected, you know, um, in so many ways. And so, you know, there's been definitely strong, like profound acts of kindness mm -hmm. um, that I've been inspired by. And then there's also, yeah, well, yeah. And then the other shit that I'm like, no, let's, let's not end it on that though. Let's not end it on that. We're going to rise. Yes. You, you were bringing us like a Phoenix. We're rising. Let's not, let's not stop that. Yeah. No, well, th well, thank you so much. I just, I loved hearing the story of how this book came about. I mean, it was essentially blooming while the nature around you was blooming. And it's just such a beautiful story. And thank you for your vulnerability and sharing your truth. And, and it's people like you that, that are an upside for us going through this right now. So thank but you. Yeah, thank can you. you, one more minute, can you answer me this? Yes. What, what keeps you here in San Francisco? Oh. What keeps me here? 
it's a complicated because you've been you've been saying it's bittersweet i feel the same way and uh, born and raised in the bay area but lived here i think almost 16 years and just been here since around 99 so just wondering you're born and raised here so what keeps you here i am oh my god that's a hell of a question you know I do have poems in this book uh, in the anthology still here in San Francisco. Actually, no, I don't need to be long-winded right now. So, okay, I got into NYU, and I'm moving to New York. I honestly feel like I'm too fat for the nest. Like, I've outgrown it. Like, the hot mother is like, bitch, fly. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I mean, I could have left years ago. I haven't, you know? And I think it's because as I've, like, each year, I found deeper appreciation for what it is. I've been wanting to explore Golden Gate Park for years. I've gone, it's, I mean, one, it's huge. <laughs> like, yeah. there's a whole, like, there's a whole other species that probably lives in there. Um, and there's buffalo, for God's sake. I saw them today. Yeah. Bison. bison. Oh, they're so cute. Yeah. They are, mm-hmm. right? And, I, and the first one came, like, in the late 1890s mm-hmm. as a way to, like, you know, <laughs> stop the mass killings of them. But anyway, so they're so, yeah. But yeah, there's 10 bison right now. Saw them today. They're doing well. Um, they look well fed. <laughs> their fur is a little weird, but I can't tell why. But anyway, I think it's this continuous exploration. Like, even though it's a small world after all, and it's a small city, as in any place, there's always new discovery. Like, there's always something new. Mm-hmm. And um, I think so. And like, this next book that I'm working on, it's, uh, it's, it's bittersweet. It's it's grim. It's grime. It's um another angle of survival that really like taps into like this whole metropolitan dissonance that we have, right? Like, because it is like if I just only look at the people and the concrete, we're fucked. But like the community, right? The culture, like the artists that are still here, right? Hello, hi, <laughs> you here? I here? Right? Like we are here. Like you know to stop denying our own erasure, erasure, but to say like, uh, excuse me, we do exist. We have, we are in, we are here. Yes, we are dwindling, but we're here, you know? And to just ride the waves and hold on, like just, I don't know, it's been actually a test and it's made me stronger staying here longer. Oh my God, I'm rhyming. But like, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like with the wind, it's like, I bet your roots are hella thick, right? And you're grounded. Yeah, I loved it. That's a great answer. We need to meet in person after all of this. Yes. I know. Seriously, before you leave to New York. Yeah. <laughs> right? I know, seriously. Whenever that will be, who knows? Oh, my God. Right? I'm all, I know. I know. Mm. So it's just, yeah. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, like, because it's the epicenter right now. And mm-hmm. I am only, like, I'm, yeah. I will only go there if it's, like, safe to go there. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. And, yeah. and schools haven't even yet confirmed. I mean, there's a chance, there's a possibility that our fir- my first semester in grad school may be on- online. Yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. so you can't leave yet. <laughs> so it's like, okay. You're going to have to stay. Yeah. Have to stay. yeah. <laughs> a little longer. A little yeah. longer. Thea, thank you so much. Thank you, ladies. That was poet Thea Matthews on Bitch Talk for the first time, uh, virtually, of course. Um, She's a San Francisco native, as you heard. Um, 
it got it's emotional. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what happened. I just, yeah. I don't know. Just feelings, man. There's a lot of feelings going on um, right now. And, um, and I, I, I praise her for calling it out because, you know, you asked her a question and she was like, oh, I felt that right now. And I think as soon as she said that, then I also <laughs> got emotional. I was like, shit. Um, well, because, you know, Shar and I know you as, as Eeyore and respect to the well, emotion and the... I just have a lot of feelings. I have a I lot know, of feelings. As we all do, and you should, and that's healthy, and, and we should be accepting of that, and we are. But she felt it, and she felt the weight of that question, and she doesn't even know you. And I thought that was a really beautiful moment. In the meantime, you can find us at our brand spanking new website, fishtalkpodcast.com. Um, please sign up for the email list. It pops up as soon as you go onto our website. So we'll have another one uh, coming out in early June. So please, please, please sign up. Don't forget to check out our YouTube channel for behind the scenes videos and subscribe. It's also brand spanking new. You can also find us at bff.fm. Every Monday from 6 to 6.30 a.m. We're powered by GoTo Productions. Bitch, please.